Welcome to Leading Simple with Rusty George. Our goal is to make following Jesus and leading others a bit more simple. Here's your host, Rusty George. Hey, welcome to Leading Simple. Merry Christmas, everybody. Typically at this time, I interview somebody or talk about some big mistake I've made and lessons I've learned, and we talk about how to make following Jesus or leading others a bit more simple. But today, it's Christmas, and we're going to share our Christmas Eve service with you today in case you were unable to make it. We're in the middle of At The Movies, and this particular movie has become one of the most favorite Christmas holiday movies of all time. It reached its 75th anniversary this year, and we thought no better way to culminate our At The Movies series than with this fine film. I hope you enjoy our Christmas Eve experience, and Merry Christmas to you. Hey, Merry Christmas to everyone. Hope you're having a wonderful Christmas time with family and friends and great food and people that have come in to visit you for the holidays. I mean, what a wonderful season it is. And, and we're concluding our Christmas at the Movies series. We've covered some great ones. We've used planes, trains, and automobiles, Christmas Vacation, Elf, and Home Alone to all help communicate the Christmas story. So what would we show for Christmas Eve? I mean, there's so many great options. In fact, so many videos and movies came to mind, they just couldn't all make the list. So here's some of our honorable mentions. Today we wrap it up with one of the most beloved movies of all time. It was actually an idea that came to Philip Van Doren Stern in 1938 while he was shaving. He wrote it down a year later, and then he sold it four years later. It was originally titled The Greatest Gift. The studio bought it. They made it. It had very little success. It was considered a bit of a flop until 1974 when the copyright for this movie came up for renewal. Someone didn't bother or just simply chose not to go to the trouble of paying the $4 for the copyright renewal. And the movie slipped into public domain. Well, TV stations in the 70s decided they needed some free content to air and they began showing it every Christmas. And they showed it over and over again, and it began to be known as one of the favorite Christmas films and eventually considered now one of the greatest films ever made. It's the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. It's wonderful news, for when all these wonderful people get into the swim, it's a wonderful life. For never before has any film contained such a full measure of the joy of living, the drama of living, and above all, the glorious romance that makes this such a wonderful life. 
Don't you ever get tired of just reading about things? Yeah. Hey, what are you doing tonight? I don't want to get married to anybody, you understand? I want to do what I want to do. And, and you... Well, It's a Wonderful Life has resonated with millions of people for generations and is considered one of the greatest movies of all time. Clarence Oddbody, the angel second class, explains why it has become so meaningful to us. Each man's life touches so many other lives. He goes on to say, speaking of George Bailey, when he isn't around, he leaves an awful hole, doesn't he? This Christmas, as the year ends, you may feel like your life doesn't matter. You may feel like nobody would miss you if you were gone. But the simple story is that your life touches another life, that touches another life, that touches another life. And our lives are interconnected and we help each other get through whatever life seems to throw our way. And that is what makes it a wonderful life. The story takes place in a fictional city called Bedford Falls. It's Christmas Eve, 1945, and George Bailey, the owner of a struggling family-owned business, faces financial ruin and arrest for a mistake that his Uncle Billy had made. After Old Man Potter says that he's worth more dead than alive, George is seriously contemplating ending it all. I owe everything to George Bailey. Help him, dear father. Joseph, Jesus, and Mary, help my friend, Mr. Bailey. Help my son, George, tonight. He never thinks about himself, God. That's why he's in trouble. George is a good guy. Give him a break, God. I love him, dear Lord. Watch over him tonight. Please, God, something's the matter with Daddy. Please bring Daddy back. Hello, Joseph. Trouble? Looks like we'll have to send someone down. You sent for me, sir? Yes, Clarence. A man down on Earth needs our help. Splendid. Is he sick? No, worse. He's discouraged. At exactly 10.45 p.m. Earth time, that man will be thinking seriously of throwing away God's greatest gift. Oh, dear, dear, his life. Then I've only an hour to dress. What are they wearing now? You will spend that hour getting acquainted with George Bailey. Sir, if I should accomplish this mission, I mean, uh, might I perhaps win my wings? I've been waiting for over 200 years now, sir, and people are beginning to talk. What's that book you've got there? Oh, The Adventures of Tom Sawyer. Clarence, you do a good job with George Bailey, and you'll get your wings. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Poor George. Sit down. Sit down? What are we... If you're going to help a man, you want to know something about him, don't you? Well, naturally, of course well, I... keep your eyes open. See the town? Where? I, I don't see a thing. Oh, I forgot. You haven't got your wings yet. Now, look, I'll help you out. Concentrate. Begin to see something? Why, yes. This is amazing. If you ever get your wings, you'll see all by yourself. Oh, wonderful. Hey, who's that? That's your problem, George Bailey. A boy? That's him when he was 12, back in 1919. 
something happens here you'll have to remember later on. And here comes the scare painting. My kid brother, Harry Bailey. I'm not scared. George saved his brother's life that day, but he caught a bad cold which infected his left ear. Cost him his hearing in that ear. Did you catch that line? When Clarence gets his assignment to save George Bailey, the superior angel says, you've got to go help this guy, George Bailey. And Clarence says, what is it? Is he sick? And I love the response that he gets. No, it's worse than that. He's discouraged. And there's so much truth in that statement. Discouragement can be worse than a physical illness. You know, personally, after my wife and I moved from Kentucky to California 20 years ago, I went through a season of discouragement. Our church was just starting out meeting in a movie theater. It was tough and the church just seemed stuck. It was more expensive than I thought it would be to live so far away. And we had moved from family with a, a one-year-old daughter at the time. And I can recall thinking, I'm ready to go home. Maybe, maybe you've been there. Maybe you're there right now. You had a hope about something, but it didn't happen. And it's made your heart sick. You had a dream or an expectation and then something happened or it didn't happen and you find yourself discouraged and in a dark place. Well, the scriptures give us this incredible promise in Psalm 34 verse 18. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Well, for George Bailey, life is going fairly well. He's fallen in love, gotten married, started a family, and spent his life helping a lot of people. But his whole world is turned upside down when Uncle Billy goes to the bank to deposit $8,000 to cover all their business expenses. It's about the equivalent of 125 grand a day. It's a lot of money. But Uncle Billy starts talking, almost gloating to old man Potter, and unknowingly gives him all of their money. Uh, what's going on? What about the bank examiner's here? He's here. Well, yeah, yeah, he wants the cops payable to... What's the matter with you? Uncle Billy with any cash last night? He had it on his desk, counting it before he closed up. Now look, did you buy anything? Uh, nothing, not even a stick of gum. All right, all right. Now we'll go over every step you took since you left the house. Right. right. This way. And did you put the envelope in your pocket? Yeah, right. maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe, uh, maybe. I don't want any. Maybe we've got to find that money. I've no good deal. Uncle Billy, look. Do you realize what's going to happen if we don't find it? 
Listen to me. Do you have any secret hiding place here in the house? Some place you would have... Some place you hide the money. I've come over the whole house, even in rooms that have been locked since I lost Lord. Listen. Listen to me. Think. Think. I can't think, think. anymore, George. I can't think anymore. Where's that money, you silly, stupid old fool? Where's that money? Do you realize what this means? It means bankruptcy and scandal and prison. That's what it means. One of us is going to jail. Well, it's not going to be me. Time to get some stylish underwear. Wife gave me this on my last birthday. <laughs> I passed away in it. Oh, Tom Sawyer's drying out too. You should read the new book Mark Twain's writing now. How did you happen to fall in? I didn't fall in. I jumped in to save George. You what? To save me? Well, I did, didn't I? You didn't go through with it, did you? Go through with what? Suicide. Oh, it's against the law to commit suicide around here. Yeah, it's against the law where I come from, too. Oh, where do you come from? Heaven. I had to act quickly. That's why I jumped in. I knew if I were drowning, you tried to save me. You see, you did. And that's how I saved you. Uh, uh, very funny. Your lip's bleeding, George. Yeah. I got a bust in the jaw in answer to a prayer a little bit ago. Oh, no, 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 George. I'm the answer to your prayer. That's why I was sent down here. How'd you know my name? Oh, I know all about you. I've watched you grow up from a little boy. What are you, a mind reader or something? <laughs> well, who are you then? Clarence Oddbody, AS2. Oddbody. AS2, what, what, what's that AS2? Angel, second class. Cheerio, my good man. Oh, brother. Cheerio, what 
Tainy putting those drinks. Hey, what's... What's with you? What, what, what'd you say just a minute ago? Why'd you want to save me? That's what I was sent down for. I'm your guardian angel. I wouldn't be a bit surprised. Ridiculous of you to think of killing yourself for money. Eight thousand dollars. Yeah, now, think, just things like that. How do you know that? I told you I'm your guardian angel. I know everything about you. Well, you look about like the kind of an angel I'd get. Sort of a fallen angel, aren't you? What happened to your wings? I haven't won my wings yet. That's why I'm an angel second class. I don't know whether I like it very much being seen around with an angel without any wings. Oh, I've got to earn them. And you'll help me, won't you? Sure, sure. How? By letting me help you. Yeah. Only one way you can help me. You don't happen to have 8,000 bucks on you, do you? Oh, no, no. We don't use money in heaven. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> right. I keep forgetting that. <laughs> Comes in pretty handy down here, bub. Oh, tut, tut, tut. Uh, <laughs> I found it out a little late. I'm worth more dead than alive. Now, look, you mustn't talk like that. I won't get my wings with that attitude. You just don't know all that you've done. If it hadn't been for you... Yeah, it... if it hadn't been for me, everybody would be a lot better off. My wife and my kids and my friends. And my... Look, little fellow, why you go off and haunt somebody else, No, you? now you don't understand. I've got my job. Oh, shut up, will you? Oh, this isn't going to be so easy. So you still think killing yourself would make everyone feel happier, eh? Oh, I don't know. I guess you're right. I suppose it'd been better if I'd never been born at all. What'd you say? I said I wish I'd never been born. Oh, you mustn't say things like that. You... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That's an idea. What do you think? Yeah, that'll do it. All right. You've got your wish. You've never been bored. Now, I'm sure that many of you, like George Bailey, have convinced yourself that this world would be a lot better off if you just weren't here. Moses, that we read about in the Old Testament, uh, felt that way. He was leading the children of Israel, and it was such a heavy burden for him that he says to God, if this is how you're going to treat me, Please just go ahead and kill me, and do not let me face my own ruin. The prophet Elijah prayed a similar prayer. This hero that we read about in the Bible says to God, I have had enough, Lord. Please take my life. You see, the problem with Christmas time is we sing songs like, it's the most wonderful time of the year. But the truth is, for many people, it's the worst time of the year. Depression and suicide are at their highest during the holidays. The Apostle Paul even expresses his emotions in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. A few chapters later, he talks about his own discouragement and despair. And he writes, when we arrived in Macedonia, there was no arrest for us. We face conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. Much has been reported on the discouragement that so many of us feel coming out of the pandemic, especially for our kids. 
They're facing anxiety and depression levels that would have had a person institutionalized in the 50s. In fact, we here at Real Life, we want to help. In fact, as you leave here today, you're going to have a chance to pick up a book as a gift from us to you, simply called Don't Miss It. And this book is all about how to help you with just parenting. And then we're going to start a series in January, starting the weekend of January 8th, a five-week teaching series called Kids These Days. And it's really all about how does Jesus bring hope to kids and families, and truthfully, all of us, dealing with questions about technology, anxiety, identity, even gender confusion. Join us for this series. It's not just for kids, but it's for all of us who've ever felt discouraged. You see, there are several things that the Apostle Paul talks about that make us a prime candidate for discouragement. Take a look at this verse. When we arrived in Macedonia, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction with battles on the outside and fear on the inside. The first thing we read about there is fatigue. When you're physically or emotionally exhausted, discouragement is close behind. And Paul says there was no arrest for us. It was one thing after another, after another, after another. Fatigue will lead to discouragement. And maybe some of you are facing that right now. A second thing he highlights, though, is frustration. I mean, you're hit with things that you just can't control and you feel overwhelmed and helpless. You keep hitting a brick wall and you can't move forward. Paul used that phrase there. We face conflict from every direction. I mean, it's the battles with people around you that just seem to never be ending, which can lead to a third case of discouragement, failure. The lie that we begin to tell ourselves when something doesn't go the way we think it should, or if something fails, is that it becomes our identity. I am a failure. It's those battles on the outside that you cannot win. And then that can lead to this last one, fear. Paul called this the, the, the fear on the inside. It's not just the battles with people around us. It's the fear that's within us. It's the fear of criticism. What will they think? It's the weight of responsibility. What if I can't handle this? Now think about some of those. Fatigue, frustration, failure, and fear. That's a perfect storm that leads to discouragement. Well, maybe you're there this Christmas. And maybe you need the gift that George Bailey got, which was this wonderful gift to see how much his life matters. And he gets to see it by this angel showing up to show him what life would have been like if he had never lived. I mean, without George Bailey, Bedford Falls is now named Pottersville. It's home to sleazy nightclubs and immoral people. Bailey Park was never built because George never helped people with their mortgages. George's brother Harry is now dead because George was not there to save him from drowning when they were kids. George's mother is a bitter old widow and his wife Mary a single lonely librarian. Seem extreme? It's really not. That's how much every one of our lives matters. So what do we do? Well, sometimes the only way to get out of that dark place and hope again is to cry out to God 
for help. Get me back! Get me back! I don't care what happens to me! Get me back to my wife and kids! Help me, Clarence, please! Please! I want to live again! I want to live again! I want to live again. Please, God, let me live again. Hey, George! George! You all right? Hey, what's the matter? Now get out of here, Bert, or I'll hit you again. Get out of here. What the Sam Hill are you yelling for, George? You... George. Bert, do you know me? Know you? <laughs> you kidding? I've been looking all over town trying to find you. I saw your car piled into that tree down there, and I thought maybe you... Hey, your mouth's bleeding. Are you sure you're all right? Well, George Bailey finally realizes that even in the midst of all the hardships, he has a wonderful life. And here's what's great about God. When you cry out, he's listening. David writes in Psalm 106, he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. There's a powerful verse written in the scriptures in the book of Hebrews that speaks to our situations. In fact, when you find yourself in a circumstance you wish would go away, God gives us this promise for our lives. He says, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. What is that hope that we have? God made a promise to redeem us and then fulfilled that promise by sending Jesus. This hope that comes through Jesus is an anchor for our soul. You think about it, an anchor really has two purposes. When you pull a boat into a harbor, you drop the anchor so that you won't drift. And the hope of Jesus is an anchor that keeps us from drifting away in our faith. When you drift away from God, you will drift towards something that is not safe and secure. An anchor keeps us from drifting, but the anchor also is to provide safety in the eye of a storm. When you are in the middle of a storm and it's raging all around you, you drop the anchor so you don't get blown off course or blown into the rocky shore, which will tear the boat apart. When you anchor it in the storm, it allows the boat to ride out the wind and the waves. Let me give you a starting point for dealing with your thoughts of hopelessness so that you, like George Bailey, can find hope. The first is to identify the lie. There are some lies that you have told yourself that affects the direction of your life. Lies like, my life will never get better. I will never be good enough. I can't trust anybody. God has abandoned me. You have to identify whatever lie the enemy has been telling you. But here's the second step. You have to replace that lie with something that's true from God. You have to replace it with God's truth. It isn't enough just to identify the lie. We have to replace it with God's truth. We capture that thought, we capture that lie, and we replace it with the truth of God's word. Sometimes for me, I need to write it down so that I don't forget it. I write down a scripture, I write down a truth that God has reminded me that just breathes hope back into me. What I love about this movie is this second-class angel named Clarence helps George identify the lie that it would have been better if he were not alive and then helps replace it with God's truth. 
and ultimately he shows George Bailey that he actually has a wonderful life. Mary! Well, hello, Mr. Bank Examiner. How are you? Mr. Bailey, there's a deficit. I know, $8,000. George, I've got a little paper. I'll bet it's a warrant for my arrest. Isn't it wonderful? I'm going to jail. Merry Christmas. Reporters, are, where's Mary? Mary! Oh, look at this wonderful old drafty house. Mary! 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 Have you seen my wife? Mary! 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 I could eat you up. <laughs> Where's your mother? She went looking for you. With Uncle she... Billy. Daddy! Zozo, Zozo, my little ginger snap. How do you feel? Fine. Not a smidge of temperature. Not a smidge of temperature. <laughs> ah, hallelujah. Hello. George. George, darling. Where are you? George, darling. Where are you? Oh, oh George. Oh, George. 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 Oh, let me touch. Let me touch. Are you real? <laughs> Oh, George. Just, 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 uh, George. You've no idea what's happened to me. You've no idea what happened. Well, well, come on, George. Come on downstairs. Quick, they're right. on their way. All right. Come on. <laughs> come on in here now. <laughs> now you stand right over here by the tree. Right there. And don't move. Don't move. What's happening? Come on. Oh, I hear them coming now. George, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. Who's gonna come, Daddy? Come, Daddy! Come in, Uncle Billy! Everybody! Come, in here! George! Come here! 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 Come It's from London. Oh. Mr. Gower cabled you need cash. Stop. My office instructed to advance you up to $25,000. Stop. Oh. Hee-haw and Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright. Oh.
Christmas present from a very dear friend of mine. Look, Daddy, teacher says every time a bell rings, an angel gets his wings. That's right. That's right. Well, that scene makes me emotional every time I see it. God uses each of us to bring hope to hurting people. It wasn't the money that changed things. It was realizing where to put his hope. And that scripture I read out of 2 Corinthians earlier about discouragement, here is how the Apostle Paul concludes this thought. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. In other words, we were feeling fearful and fatigued and like failures, and God sent someone to us to be his encouragement to us. You may never know how your life can encourage and bring hope into someone who's feeling hopeless in their life. And how do you do that? Well, you show them Jesus. You are kind to them like Jesus. You forgive them like Jesus. You love them like Jesus. In fact, that's kind of who this church is and who we always want to be, to be people that bring real hope to the people around us. In fact, over the course of the last few weeks, the people of this church have pledged over $5 million to go to help out local charities and missions here in the state of California and plant brand new churches. And we can't wait to share you those great stories in the weeks and months to come. You see, what we learn in the life of George Bailey is that real hope, it can't be found in just money or even in a person. Real hope can only be found in the one who gives us a wonderful life. And that's in Jesus. The Apostle Paul writes, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, the power of the anchor isn't the anchor. It's what the anchor is attached to. It has to be attached to something solid. And you don't have to stay in your hopeless and dark situation. You can anchor to something solid that won't move. Let me say it this way. You can be anchored to someone who is solid. And his name is Jesus. God saw the darkness and despair in the world and sent us the greatest gift of all, the gift of hope for a dark and discouraged world. The angel bursts onto the scenes and says, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. You see, God sent his son Jesus to earth in the darkest time in history, in the darkest season of the year, to bring a message to everyone in a dark place, a message of hope, an anchor for your soul and for mine. It's like the song we sing this time of year that says, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. Your soul was worth Jesus dying on the cross. Now, what's fascinating about that truth is it's so much more than just a simple platitude or truth. In fact, the whole idea of Jesus being born is so much more than a neat Christmas story we read once a year, but rather it's a story we can live within. 
Andrew Huberman is a professor at Stanford of neurobiology. And he states in his many studies of the brain that many of us feel like gratitude can help our feelings of hopelessness. And he says that is true to a point. But when they track the brain and its functions, it's not just the listing of things we are grateful for, like thank you for friends or thankful for family or thankful for stuff, but rather when the brain immerses itself into a story for which you are grateful. That is what truly changes your brain, your mind, and your life. I think this is why we like this movie, It's a Wonderful Life, so much. Because we immerse ourselves in a story that reminds us to be grateful. But this is also why the story of Christmas matters so much. It's our soul crying out to immerse ourselves in the story of hope. It's the story of, I bring you good news of great joy. A Savior is born. You are not alone. God is with us. And God is with you in your darkest moments, in your brightest days, in your wonderful moments, wonderful life, and even in your difficult times. Emmanuel means Jesus. God is with us. And God is with you. And maybe, maybe this year is the year you're going to decide to take him up on that offer to say, I want to be with you, Jesus. I want to do life with you. I want to be anchored to you. And I want to give you that opportunity to say yes to Jesus and let him be the one that brings you a wonderful life. Not one that's perfect, not one that is free from just the pain of life, but one that is anchored to the one that has weathered the storm and can take you through it and lead you to life everlasting. So I wanna invite you right now, if you would just bow your heads and close your eyes, and I wanna lead you through a prayer. And you can just pray these words along with me if you want, or you can say some version of them in your own mind as we say these together. But Lord, on behalf of all my friends right now across all of our campuses and across all of the world watching this right now, I wanna thank you for being an anchor and the anchor of our souls. Thank you for being a rock that we can hook onto, a solid place that we can build our lives upon. And Father, for those who have yet to say yes to you, we just wanna say those words with them and for them. And that is to say the words, I am asking Jesus to be the leader and the forgiver of my life. God, we're placing our hope in Jesus, who came to us that first Christmas, to be much more than a story we celebrate, but to give us an anchor to build our life upon. Father, we place our trust and our hope in him. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks so much for listening. Next week, we'll be back with brand new content as I interview one of our favorite guests, leadership guru, acclaimed blogger, and personal friend, Brian Dodd. He is a wealth of information about all things leadership, but also college football. And we're going to talk about the college football playoffs. 
He's going to make it simple for us. So make sure you join us next week. Hey, if this service today really encouraged you, share it with a friend. You can pass that along to them. Let us know you did that. Send us a message on Instagram. Tell us what series or what particular podcast was the most inspirational to you this past year. And we'll do our best to bring you great content in the year 2023. You guys have a great Christmas, a happy new year, and I will see you next week. As always, keep it simple. Take a moment and subscribe to the podcast so you get it delivered every week. And subscribe to the Rusty George YouTube channel for more devotionals, messages, and fun videos. Thank you for listening to Leading Simple.